You are listening to Graceway's weekly message podcast. We hope that this message encourages you to know and enjoy God, find friends, discover your purpose, and make a difference in your community. Enjoy the message. So I told you at the beginning of this series, I wasn't exactly sure how long it was going to be. That's a terrifying thing. If you are sitting in church and the preacher says that, I now know it's going to be six weeks. We are on our third week, and it's going to be divided up in this way. I think there are three things that God calls his people to understand about forgiveness, and then three things that we have to do in order to be forgiving. So today we're going to talk about that third understand. If you weren't here or you weren't paying attention, either way, it's all good. I got you. The first thing that we learned is that if you're going to be a forgiving person, you have to have an experience with God before you have an experience with anyone else. Forgiveness is first vertical and second horizontal. Whenever the Bible talks about forgiveness, it always starts with, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, so be forgiving. And so many of us, we, we struggle with forgiveness because we don't really believe we're forgiven. We don't really believe that God sets us free. We don't really believe that our, that our plate is empty of all our failings and all of our regrets. And so it's important for you to understand that you're forgiven in order to be forgiving. you gotta, you got to talk to God before you talk to them. Secondly, whenever we study about forgiveness, we see that forgiveness isn't a how. This isn't pragmatic. It's a who. It's, it's, it's to follow an example. And the who is Jesus. Whenever we study forgiveness, it says, be forgiving as you have been forgiven. Do it the same way as Jesus forgave you. Do it the same way as God forgave you. And if you're going to do biblical forgiveness, not therapeutic forgiveness, not so I feel better forgiveness, God-ordained, Bible-centered, God-glorifying forgiveness, you have to know how Jesus forgives. What does he do? What does he believe? How does he employ it. And so I have an experience with God. I see that I am forgiven out of that. I am a forgiving person. I have forgiving desire. And then I look to Jesus to see how to do it. And today we're going to talk about, man, a, a, a big topic. We're going to talk about justice today. Or it's lowercase version, fairness. You ever had anyone say to you, that's not fair. That's not fair. And what they're trying to say is, that is unjust. My kids say that. That's not fair. And I say, baby, life ain't. Yeah, all the parents in the room said. So uh, here's the thing about these understandings. Everything that I just said to you, kind of a little bit of a review. If I'm you, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, whatever, man. Like forgiving, forgiven, as the blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> this, is, this is where we get stuck, on justice. We get, we get stuck on justice because... Because justice is the location of our hurt. I want you to think about this for a second. Um, nobody has a problem forgiving somebody for an offense they feel like they deserved. The reason that we're stuck forgiving is that we feel like somebody did something unjust. I didn't deserve for you to do that to me. I didn't deserve for you to say it exactly like that to me. If, if, if Craig comes up to me and he, and he punches me, he punches me in the face... And I punch him back. He doesn't say, bro, why did you punch me? I punched you because you punched me. He's not going to have to forgive me. But we have people who have damaged us. We have people who have hurt us. We have people who have slandered us. And if we're honest, we say, I, that wasn't fair. That wasn't just. So many times, forgiveness is connected to justice. Now, it used to be that whenever we talked about justice, we were all talking about the same thing. When I said the word justice, I... Uh, 
I, I assumed that you knew, but, but those days are gone, aren't they? We, we now live in a time where two people with the same worldview can have a different experience about the same circumstance, say opposite things, prescribe different things, have different feelings, different emotions, and different diagnosis of. Last week I taught you that in the missions world there's three major worldviews, guilt, innocence, fear, power, shame, honor. We live in a country where the world is coming. I mean, the world is coming to Kansas City. You don't even have to move to be a missionary. You just, have to, you just have to be conscious of the fact that you're a missionary. Just go to work. Just be in your neighborhood. The world is coming too. And what's happening is we're struggling because we have all these worldviews. And when I say, do justice, we say, okay, and we go the opposite direction. And so how is it then that we get to a spot where we're able to practice justice? How, how should the people of God respond to it? Because the reality of it is, guys, we're never going to agree on this. We're never going to agree. It's too emotional. It's too personal. It's too wrapped up. And so we really, we, we really got to go to God and say, okay, God, what do you mean when you say justice? Well, I, the world has a definition of justice. What's God's definition of justice? And when you open your Bible, it's the first time that justice is used in the Bible is in Genesis 18 and verse 19. God is talking about Abraham, and listen to what he says, for I have chosen him that he might command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord. I, I chose Abraham so he'll keep my ways. What's your way, Lord? That he'll do righteousness and justice so that the Lord might bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Watch. God says, if you do my way, you're going to do righteous and you're going to do justice, and then I'm going to be able to give you things in response to your obedience to doing righteous and doing justice. That's the first time justice is talked about in the Bible. The last time that it's talked about in the Bible is Hebrews chapter 11, and it's in what we call the hall of faith. It's that, it's that chapter in Hebrews chapter 11 where it starts, by faith, Moses, by faith, Abraham, by, you know what I'm talking about? Shake your head if you know what I'm talking about. Okay. Uh, and it gets to the end of it, and it says in chapter 11 and verse 33, who through faith, talking about these individuals who had this miraculous faith, some people, because of their faith, they conquered kingdoms. I mean, think about that. That, that faith has the ability to move a kingdom. That if God's people have faith that God's kingdom's greater than our kingdom, come on, somebody, and that God's people of faith can have influence on on the kingdom, right? Number two, they enforce justice. Number three, they obtain promises. Number four, they stop the mouths of lions. So check out what faith can do. Lion, uh, faith can, can move a kingdom and can make a lion not want to eat you. And if you're going to enforce justice, you're going to need that kind of faith. That's what it says. That, that doing justice, enforcing justice is a matter of faith it's, it's God's way. God wants to do it. If you're going to do it God's way, you're going to be a just person. But it's going to take faith in the way that God says. It's going to take faith in you to do it. Jeremiah 9 says, but let him who boasts, boast in this. You going to be cocky about something? Let me give you something to be cocky about. That he who understands and knows me that I am the Lord, who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things... I delight, declares the Lord. God says, if you know me, if you know me, you know that I love to practice love and justice. You know that I love doing it. You know that I delight in justice. You know that it's my way. You know that I'm looking for, pe for people to have faith in me and do it my way. And then in 
Micah 6 and verse 8, it says, He has told you, man, <laughs> man, I told you, what does the Lord require of you? What does God want from you? Here it is, to love kindness, to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. So watch, justice is God's way, justice is God's delight, and justice is God's expectation of his people. I mean, that's pretty significant, isn't it? God, God does it this way, loves doing it this way, and expects his people to love it like he loves it. So the question is, how does God do it? What is God's definition of? How do we act in faith on what God says about justice? And, and, and let me just take a step back here because uh, there's different types of justice. We want our society to be just, but a society can't be just if the people in the society aren't just. So it doesn't, it doesn't start out there. It starts in here. And I'm going to go even further. Uh, you see what God says about justice. I don't think I don't think a society can be just if the church in the society isn't just. I think, I think God says, you're a city on a hill. You're salt. You're light. How are folks going to know unless somebody tells them and shows them? And, and I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, you're awesome. You're awesome. You're handsome. You're beautiful. You're unique. You're special. You can be whatever you want when you grow up. I don't think you know what justice is. I don't. I didn't. I got, I, if you had three weeks ago said, Tim, write a thesis on justice, uh, I would have, I would have a, a couple days ago thrown that thesis away. And so I just need you to wrap your head around this idea. You probably have a definition of justice that isn't God's. Now, I don't say that to criticize you. I say that so you can just posture yourself to receive whatever God wants you to say or wants you to be, wants you to do, so you can say, God, give me eyes to see and give me ears to hear, because I want to do it your way. I think most of us do, but I need to know what it is so that I can, so that I can do it, okay? Are you with me? Okay, so here's the question. What is biblical justice? So biblical justice is not a set of bullet points or rules. It's not how God talks about it. It's not a societal contract based on moral laws discerned by human reason. That's what enlightenment says that we all get together and we just kind of agree this is right and this is wrong we sign this unspoken moral contract this is what's going to be good and this is how it's going to be enforced that's what the enlightenment teaches us that's not how God talks about it the opposite end of that is that biblical justice isn't rooted in in historic or material conditions that's what Marxism says that we just have these systems and, and they're broken and justice is the opposite of those systems. We need to deconstruct those systems. So we're gonna have, that's, that's not how the Bible talks about justice either. So the Bible's definition of justice is very sim simple. It is justice is rooted in and is an outworking of the character of God. Biblical justice is rooted in and an outworking of the character of God. And when you study God's word, you find out that justice, one thing, has two parts. It has payment and repair. So here's what I mean by that. The Bible says, this is Ezekiel 7, 8, and 9, that God meets out punishment to those who have perpetrated wrongs. It says that he does not spare the wicked. So part of justice, and this is the part that we're the most familiar with, is the part that is, if you do something wrong, you got to do the time, right? You do something wrong, you got to have the consequence. You, you, you do the crime, you got to do the time. That's justice. And God says, yeah, that's part of justice. But the other part of justice is that God not only 
pays and does not spare the wicked, but he simultaneously manifests his grace. This is all the way through the Psalms. In that, he not only does the payment side, but he does the repair side. So God says, not only do I deal with the wicked, but I deal with the effects of wickedness on the victims of injustice. Both justice. Are you with me? So at the end of time, God says, I'm going to judge the entire earth. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, finally everybody's going to get what they deserve. Finally every wrong is going to be made right. Finally every tear is going to be wiped away. Kids are going to be able to reach down into snake holes and lions are able to lay down with lambs. And we all say, yeah, man, that's going to be awesome. That's going to be awesome when God finally sets everything right. And we pray for that day, don't we? We pray for the day when all injustice is gone, when all inequality is gone, when all corruption is gone, when all wars have ceased, and when Jesus sits on the throne, and it will be a day of justice. And at the very same time, God says, on that day, when I judge evil, I'm also going to restore all things. You see, we think of justice as they got what they deserved, and God says, that's part of it. But the other part of it is that I restore, and I repair, and I make new, and that's just as well. That's just as well. God not only punishes evil, but he restores the victims of injustice. In fact, God talks less about retributive justice and more about restorative justice. God, God says, yep, I, there are certain people who are going to get what they deserve at the end of time. But he talks to his people over and over and over again and says, take care of the people who are on the wrong side of unjust treatment, like widows and orphans and immigrants and the poor. He talks about that again and again and again and again, to the extent that he says at the end of time, there are going to be people who are going to be like, Lord, look at all the stuff we did for you. And he's going to be like, that wasn't for me. What do you mean? Why? Like I preached messages. I wore a blazer to church on Sunday. I did the generosity jump. I went to fast track for crying out loud. Like, what do you want from me? And what is he going to say? I wanted you to take care of the least of these. Listen, there is an element of justice that is the bad guys get what they deserve, but it's also that God has a plan for the people that are affected by evil to see their redemption and restoration, and both in God's kingdom are just. Both are just. Justice is both consequence and what can come of the consequence. Justice is consequence and what can come. When you... When you do the crime and you do the time, that's part of justice. But the other question is, what could I do in your life while you're doing the time that would be a part of your restoration and redemption? Yes, there are evils that have to be stopped, but what about those who are affected by the evils? There's justice for them as well. And I think that this is different than at least I think about it. When I think about justice, I think about punishment. God doesn't think about it that way. God talks about consequences and redemption. Payment, retribution, and restoration, and both are justice to God. When you read through the Bible, you see that God's people have really always struggled with justice. Like, if you're sitting here like, oh, this feels a little weird to me, you're in good company. God has always been trying to explain this to his community of faith. In the book of Leviticus, he has just brought his people out of Egypt, and he's trying to teach them what justice is. In Leviticus 19 and verse 17, he's, he's saying this interrelational justice. You get sideways with somebody, here's how I want you to handle it. And he's going to give them three don'ts and two do's. Are you with me? Three don'ts 
and two do's. Leviticus 19 and verse 17, you shall not hate your brother in your heart. You shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. This is how God tells us to deal with injustice. He says three things are forbidden. Number one, don't seek revenge. Number two, don't hate your brother. Number three, don't bear a grudge. And here's the problem. Those are exactly the three things that we do when we get damaged. Okay, maybe they're not the things that you do, but they're the things that I do. I bear a grudge, and I think about all the things that I'm going to do to you to pay you back for what you did. And the longer it takes me to be able to do the things that I think you deserve, the more potential there is for me to hate you because it's taking too long for you to get the justice and the payment for the thing that you did while the grudge that I bear and the hate that I have and the revenge that's coming to you. God says, that's not just. He said, it feels just. It feels just because justice is you getting what you deserve. And God says, not in the Bible, it's not. It's part of it. It's just not all of it. You say, well, I want it to be all of it, right? He said, no, no, no. Those three things are forbidden. Okay, well, fine, God. Well, how do you want me to handle it? And here, here's how he starts. He says, I want you to tell the truth. I want you to tell the truth. I want you, I love this phrase. I want you to reason frankly with them. I want you to reason frankly. What does that mean? It means go and confront them about the hurt that they did in your life. You say, wait a second. It was way easier for me to fantasize about hitting them with my car than to go and confront them for their stuff. <laughs> and we have all of these rationales around this, right? Like, I, I'm just... I don't like conflict, you know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm more of a lover than a fighter, I'm very passive, I'm, I'm an introvert pastor, you know, introverts, we don't like to. Look at what God says, he says, if you don't reason frankly, you will incur sin because of them. If you do not confront, because justice, injustice has to be confronted. Injustice doesn't stay on its own, injustice has to be stopped at the societal level and at the relational level. And you just keeping it to yourself, bearing a grudge, hating your brother and seeking revenge does not stop it, it perpetuates it. And so what he says is I need you to get to a spot where you go and tell them the truth, where you go and say the thing you did hurt me, the thing you did damaged me, the thing you did wasn't okay. And if you can't, look at me, you're a part of the problem. Lest you incur sin, because we, we mean I incur sin, they're the one who did the thing, right, and you're the one who won't deal with it. And if that weren't bad enough, he says, and I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. Someone does an injustice to you, I want you to confront them, and I want you to love them. We're going to talk about this next week. We're going to talk about confrontation and empathy. It's going to be wonderful. What, what do you mean, love your neighbor as yourself? I want you to treat them how you would want to be treated if you, have, if you had done what they did. That's what, that's what it means, right? I want, I want you, before you go and confront them, I want you to imagine the potential that you could have done what they did. And you say, I would never do what they did. 
I would never say what they said. I would never hurt anybody the way that they hurt me. I would never take what they took. I would never do what they did. <laughs> we bring a lot of self-righteousness to this, don't we? We have a hard time considering the possibility that two sinners are involved in this injustice. And we just want them to be punished because that's justice. And God says it's not justice. But if justice is going to occur, it has to start not out there. It has to start in here. And I need you to love them in the way that I loved you when you were my enemy. Well, that sounds awful. This is why we have a hard time with justice because we don't honestly really define it the way that God defines it. You know what? you think about this combination, I want you to understand that justice is, here's, here's the equation, justice is confronting and loving. That's what it is. Justice is confronting and loving all at the same time. You say, why? I am the Lord. That's what God says. Why? Why is it those three things? Because those things are combined in him, so they need to be combined in us. Forgive as you have been forgiven. Because you're forgiven, do it the way that I did it for you. Well, how did you do it? Justice is confronting and loving. Biblical justice is an outworking of God's character. And if you do not combine love and justice, you are doing neither. Let me say that again. In the Bible... The moment you try to do justice without love, you have stopped doing both. Love is always the fuel to justice in Scripture. Love is always combined in Scripture. So the two options are, I either want and demand justice for me, and the Bible calls that revenge and unjust. Or, I want justice because I love God, I obey God, I love them as myself, I want what is best as God defines, and this is what was required for us to step toward reconciliation. For me to be willing to confront and for me to say, it's possible, I'm capable of doing the thing that you did to me that I just want you to be punished for. It's possible. It's possible. You know, there's no place more clearly pictured this, this principle of love and justice meeting than the cross. It, it, it's called substitutionary atonement. Leviticus and substitutionary atonement on one Sunday. That's what's happening here at Graceway. What, what, is that, what does that mean? It, it means that on the cross, Jesus epitomized justice, didn't he? He epitomized justice. Sin is a thing, and it has to be dealt with. It, sin, sin is brokenness, sin is depraved, sin is wicked, sin is evil, and, it, and sin doesn't just sit where you left it, it has to be confronted with justice. Nobody takes sin more seriously than God. How do I know? Because only God sent his son to the cross to deal with sin. On the cross, Jesus became sin, who knew no sin, so that we could become the righteousness of God. He atoned for our sins. That's the justice side. The substitutionary side is that on the cross, Jesus not only epitomized justice, but he epitomized love. Why? 
Because it should have been me on that cross. Because it was my sin on that cross. Because it was my guilt on that cross. And because Jesus loved me, he substituted himself and paid my penalty and your penalty. Why? Because he loved me. Because he loved me. Justice in the Bible is the combination of confrontation and love. And the question is, whenever Jesus was on the cross, why did Jesus go to the cross? Well, because a punishment had to be meted out, and God meted out that punishment, and so we're good, right? That's what justice is. No, that's not why. Why did Jesus go to the cross? What does the Bible say? For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. What's the joy? Relationship with you. Watch, justice is not an end to itself. Justice isn't a cul-de-sac. Justice is an avenue. It's not just, I punished Jesus, so now we're good. No, I punished Jesus so I could have you. You see, we say justice is punishment, and God says it's part of it. Consequences are real. Sin needs to be dealt with and confronted. And on the cross, I did that, but it's not the only thing. It's also repair and restoration toward reconciliation and relationship. It's the reason that love has to be a part of justice because if love isn't a part of justice, if I damage you, I win because I was right. We talked about virtue last week in the Greeks. I'm right, I won. God says, no, no, no. My way isn't that. My way is I love you even when you're my enemy. My, my way is consequences are the avenue toward reconciliation. What I really want isn't to punish you. What I really want is you. So let, let's talk turkey here for a second. What does that even mean, by the way? Let's talk turkey. I don't just said that out loud, and I don't even know what it means. <laughs> let's talk frankly. Let's reason frankly, shall we? <laughs> What's happening up here, babe? Let's talk about justice in our relationships. Are you all still with me? So here, here's what I want. Um, if you're like me, uh, I'm studying this, and I'm like, wow, I, I've been very off about justice. I just thought about justice as punishment, and what you're saying is, is love has to be involved. So then how do I, in my relationships, not out there, but in here, how do I operate in justice with the person in front of me, with the relationship that is difficult and harm me? How do, how do I be a person of justice at the most intimate level? That's what I want to talk about. Um, so let me give you a dashboard of you to kind of take inventory of your heart. Number one, be concerned when you see justice as punishment without protection. Be concerned when you see justice as punishment but not protection. In Deuteronomy 19, this is the law, it says this, Your eye shall not pity, it shall be life for life, Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, and foot for foot. That's justice under the law. And, and that, that standard of justice said that consequences exist and boundaries must be in place. And so if Craig and I get into an argument and he punches me in the head and my eye falls out, what has to happen to Craig? His eyes got to be taken out. That's the law. If my wife and I have an argument and, and she goes and gets a sharp knife and cuts my foot off, it's a, very, it's a rough night, all right? <laughs> but she really wanted to watch the show and I wanted to watch the game and, you know. What's going to happen to my wife? Her foot is, 
in relationships, consequences create boundaries. There are certain things you can't say. There are certain things you can't do. There are certain things that ought not be. There are certain places we can't go relationally. And those boundaries require self-control. So let's go, let's go back to, to Craig. Um, if Craig hits me in the head and my eye falls out, okay, the law says his eye's got to come out. Can I tell you what I want? What do I want? I don't want his eye. I want everything from the neck up. That's what I want. You knock my eye out, I want your whole head. And you say, that's so funny. That's what you do. Your, your spouse says something to you that hurts your feelings, and you don't respond in kind. You say, you always do this for the last 20 years that we have been married. Every time this comes up, you say the thing that I ask you to not say. What are you doing? I'm trying to take their head off. You do it with your kids. They do something that, yeah, they shouldn't do. It's sinful. It requires a consequence. But the thing isn't so much the justice of it. It's more the shame and embarrassment of it because they did it in the grocery store. And so you grin and bear it. <laughs> when we get to the car, I'm going to kill you. Ah, <laughs> oh, kids, right? <laughs> I'm seriously, I'm going to run you over with the truck. It's going to be incredible. <laughs> and you get into the car, and you don't say, buddy, here's the deal. This is the reason you can't. You don't, it's not equal. You, you take his legs out from underneath him. Listen, this is what we do. And this is how families get dysfunctional and, and, and askew, because we don't see, yes, there are consequences, but the consequences are not just for punishment, the consequences are also for protection. He, here, here's what I need you to understand. In Proverbs 6 and verse 34, listen to this, it says, for jealousy makes a man furious. So you're angry. And then what does it say? And he will not spare when he takes revenge. God says the human heart isn't good at self-control when it's mad. The human heart isn't just when it's mad. Why? Because anger supersedes love. And so Craig hits me, and Craig, I don't need your eye. I need everything above your waist because you embarrass me, because you shame me, and because I don't want this to ever happen again. There is nothing spared in this. Here's what I need you to understand. Just because you're hurt doesn't mean everything that happens after you're hurt is justified. We, we say, you did the thing, and now you've got what's coming to you. And now I get to say whatever I want for as long as I want, be as mad as I want, go wherever I want, damage you in every way, because you, you took my eye out, so now I get all of it, and I'm justified. And God says, no, you're not. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, foot for foot, life for life. They just nicked you, and you mauled them. You, you want to you have justice in your marriage? Instead of responding in kind, <laughs> walk away. Walk away until you can come back justly. Walk away until you can come back with integrity. Walk away until you can come back honestly. Walk away until you remember, I married this person because I love them. It's amazing how many marriages, and, and, and ours has been, uh, love gets dropped and justice is the pursuit. I'm right, you're wrong. You always do this, I'm always at the wrong end of it. I gotta stand up for myself. This is the language we use. Be concerned when you see justice as punishment 
but not protection. Justice is, there are consequences, and the consequence has to serve to push us toward reconciliation. Love and justice. Yeah, listen, there's a consequence for this, buddy. And I love you too much to not let you feel the weight of your sin, but it is because I know who God has created you to be. Because I know what God has for you. Because I know, hey baby, we're, we're not good right now. And what you said hurt me and I need some space, but I'm going to be sober and self-controlled. I love you too much to say the things that my heart wants to say right now. So I'm going to walk away. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Why? Because I can be right or I can be, well, married. I can be just. You're right. You're right. You can be loving. And some of us, man, we're, 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 we're willing to sell it all to be right. And God says, that's not justice. That's revenge. And that's self-righteousness. And that's destructive. And that's not what I call you to. Be concerned when you see justice as punishment but not protection. Be concerned when you do not see justice as part of reconciliation. Listen, it's very difficult to administer biblical justice when you're not working on forgiveness. I'm going to say it to you again. It's very difficult. I think it's really impossible to offer and to bring biblical justice if it's not in tandem with forgiveness. You're right, but you're right in the wrong way. We say things like, I just want, I just want you to understand I just want you to pay. I just want you, I just need them to get. <laughs> that sentiment can never produce what you want it to produce, friends. Not in them and not in you. Why? Because the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Your anger, the thing that you want them to experience because they damaged you, I understand why and consequences are a part of it, but your insistence that they pay mitigates the righteousness of God in your life and in theirs. You say, how do you know that? You know, sometimes I've had people say to me, like, I need them to pay because I don't want them to ever do this again. And, and man, that sounds so noble, doesn't it? I just want them to pay because I don't want them to, I don't want them to do this to anyone else. So we go to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 24 and verse 19. Listen to what God says. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Do not be envious of the wicked, for the evil man has no future, and the lamp of the wicked will be put out. Here's what God says, sweetie, I saw that it happened. I just need you to know, not only am I more concerned about justice than you are, but I'm more capable of meeting out justice than you are, and I just need you to have faith that I'm going to deal with this in a time that's according to my will and for their good. And that's brutally hard, isn't it? It's brutally hard, because I need to be there when you pull the trigger, Lord. I do. I need to see it happen. I need to know that justice has occurred. That's what our hearts say, and we say it in rooms like this, and we're all put together for Sunday church. We're like, that's so crazy. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. You know, you know the, the, the verse before Proverbs 24, 19, and 20 is Proverbs 24, 17, and 18? Got it? Here's what it says. 
Do not rejoice when your enemy falls. And do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles. And then listen to this phrase. Lest the Lord see it and be displeased and turn away his anger from him. This is a problem, right? So here's what God's saying. The heart that refuses to imagine that God would be gracious to them. The heart that refuses to imagine. I refuse to conceive of the possibility that you would be gracious to them for what they did to me. Therefore, I'm going to celebrate when they get what I think they deserve. God says that's a damaged heart. That's a broken heart. It's almost as though God says, if you insist I can't work here, I won't. Because I'm not going to certify your perspective. I'm not going to validate your perspective because you think that they did you dirt and that it's my job to punish them for you. And what's going to happen is I'm going to bring a consequence into their life and you're going to celebrate and you're going to think we're done because you think that justice is the end of the story. You think that punishment is the end of the story. And so what's going to happen is Craig's going to hit you, your eye's going to fall out, Craig's going to lose his job, and you're going to say, see, see, Craig, you got what you deserved, and you're going to walk away. But that's not when I stop working with Craig. Because justice isn't the end of the story, justice is the beginning of the story. And because when you celebrate, it lets me know that you're not really open to me being at work in their life or in your life, so let's just be done with the whole thing. Because, yes, there are times that God brings consequences into our life, but not as punishment because he's a good dad and because he disciplines his kids. But it's not, there I punish you, we're good, on your way. No, it's toward reconciliation, toward restoration, toward repair. That's what justice, that's what justice is. So when somebody fails us and then they stumble, how, how do I respond? I lament the hurt in their life. You say, I can't. But then, baby, that's about you. That's not about them. That's about your heart, and that's about your bitterness. And you need to understand that bitterness defiles many. Bitterness changes the way you see the world. And so your enemy falls. God says, don't celebrate grief. And pray that God's comfort and God's grace and God's power are brought to bear in their life through this circumstance to bring them back into, or for the first time ever, into glad obedience to God's will and purposes for their life. But that's not how we think about it. We think about justices, you lost your job, you got what you deserve, we're done. Because justice is a thing and I'm a Christian. God says, that's not the way I do it. That's not the way I do it. It's not how I think about it. That's not how... I operate, that's not why I sent Jesus to the cross, and that's, that's never how I've dealt with you. And I want you to forgive as you've been forgiven. And so be concerned when you see justice as punishment without protection. Be concerned when you don't see justice as part of reconciliation. And then lastly, understand that justice is limited, but love is not. Justice is limited. There's only so much that justice can do. Justice exposes the problem, but doesn't heal the problem. There's a lot I could say about that societally, friends. <laughs> justice just exposes the problem. You still need a savior. 
Listen to 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 3. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. And the greatest of these is justice. what God wants because God's holy. God wants justice. It's the greatest. That's what God says. That's not what he says. It ain't even in the top three, friends. Because it's a means. It's not an end. It's a means. I'm right. Cool. It's a means to reconciliation. They were wrong. Got it. Consequences probably need to happen. It's a means. It's limited. What's not limited? Love. Love. When justice ends, love continues. Listen, you you know in the book of Romans, God says, don't you know? It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. (laughs) You know, the thing that warms your heart isn't God has a list of all my failings and God's holy. Don't, don't you love it that God's righteous? And, no, that's not, that's not, that's not going to get you singing the song. What's going to get you singing the song is God's holy and loves me still. God's grace is unconditional. God's mercy is new. God forgives me and frees me. God has plans for my life. God sought me when I was his enemy, when I was weak, when I was incapable God paid the ultimate price on the cross. Yes, he was the epitome of justice, but he was really the epitome of love. And yes, God is just, and I know my sin had to be dealt with, but I just can't believe he would love me enough to be willing to do it. Forgive as you've been forgiven. Justice isn't just punishment. Justice is the first step in reconciliation. The consequence is a means. It's not supposed to be the end. And God says, I I love justice. I delight in justice. Justice is my way. Here's what I require of you. Do justice how I say. With the person that harmed you, with the thing that happened, love and justice is God's kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Let it start with me today, with them. Let it start in my heart. Let me know that I'm forgiven, so I should be forgiving. Let me look at Jesus, let me forgive as, and let me understand that justice is always motivated by love or it stops being justice. God, we love you today. And God, I know that we're kind of rattling around in circumstances and traumas, things that are hard for us to process. And I know that There's spiritual warfare around this. I'm sure that there's somebody right now saying, yeah, but you don't know what they did. It's hard for us to come off of this idea that justice is just punishment. Lord, when I wake up tomorrow morning and your mercy meets me, when you say you cast my sin as far as the east is from the west, when when you say you don't remember it anymore, when I look at the cross and see justice and love epitomized in the person and work of Jesus, and then I hear you say, I want you to forgive them as I forgave you. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. Look at Jesus. 
be moved by the love of Jesus, be moved by the justice on the cross. And Lord, I just pray that you'll set us free today. Set us free from the ideas of the world, set us free from bitterness, set us free from the things that are keeping us locked into something that continues to damage us. That we'll look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith and say, okay, I don't really know how, but I'm open, I'm willing. I'm willing to do it your way. And in so doing, will you heal our marriages, heal our homes, heal our relationships, heal our neighborhoods, heal our workplace, heal our cities, heal our country, heal our hearts. Heal our hearts, God, for your glory and our joy. We thank you, we love you, and we pray these things in the name of Jesus and all God's people said. Amen and amen. Hey, thanks for being here today. You can give at any door on the way out. Fast track happening immediately following this service. I love you. Have a great week. Hey, thank you for being a part of our service today. We believe God wants you to discover your purpose so that you can make a difference to those around you. Go to visitgraceway.org slash growth track to learn more about growth track and learn how you can join us. Sign up for our weekly text newsletter to learn more about what is happening at Graceway by going to graceway.app slash hello. If you heard something today that you would like to learn more about or would like to pray with someone today, call or text us at 816-423-2877 to speak to one of our pastors. Be sure to click the like or subscribe to our channel to get the latest videos and live streams from Graceway every week. We'll see you next time.